And now it's time to discuss more of these headlines and simple keywords with Adam joining us on the line. Thanks for joining us on the Friday edition of Good Morning Seoul. Good morning, Adam. Hi, that was a <laughs> introduction or a greeting, if you will. <laughs> Problem? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's always good to freshen things up. Uh, speaking Keep... of Fridays, I was thinking which fried food, fried food, I, it's really hard to say, which fried food I was going to have for this Friday. You know, we're trying to kind of start a hashtag, if you will, a fried oh, yeah. Friday, fo- Friday fried food. We, I think you not need to change it. <laughs> this is really hard to say. I didn't fried, come up with it. <laughs> fried food for a fried food for a Friday. Is that or F F F. How about that? Triple F. How Triple about F. we go with that? <laughs> <laughs> but do you also agree that if you virtually fry anything, it makes it taste better? Because I, no. I, I don't know. No, just because you put things in a fryer doesn't mean it all tastes better. But there was one pleasantly surprised food item that I did enjoy, which I didn't think I would like, and that is the infamous deep-fried Mars bar. Have you heard of that? Yes. It's basically yeah. taking an already really sweet candy bar <laughs> and deep-frying it. I feel like there's yeah. an American version of that, too. I don't want to drop a name drop, but anyway, yeah. point being... It's surprisingly good because when yeah. it's hot, yes. Have you ever yeah. tried it when it's cold? It's kind of gross. When it's cooled down after yeah. being fried? Yeah. No, I haven't tried it when it was uh, <laughs> cold. But uh, It's really deceiving. I'm, I'm gathering it's not very good. No. no. <laughs> okay. Well, I was pleasantly surprised. and uh, Visually, it doesn't look very appetizing. But, uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> listeners, we promise for our second hour, we'll explain why the obsession over fried food. Uh, uh, but if you have any of your personal favorites and you're also pleasantly surprised, just like Adam, let us know. Let's, I'm, I'm, yes. I'm shocked that you don't like broccoli, though. <laughs> I just right. wanted to say that. Yes, I don't like broccoli. Broccoli is amazing. Uh, no one says that. <laughs> I say that. I love broccoli. I, I, um, to each their own. How about that? Yes. <laughs> okay. Let's turn our attention to our keyword news portion. We're going to start with our election coverage for the week. This is our first keyword of the day. Election win. Yeah, it was an overwhelming win for the People Power Party. President Yoon Song yeol had some things to say about his party's election win on Wednesday. Could you run us through what he said? Sure. President Yoon says he takes the results of the local elections as a call from the people to better take care of the economy and their livelihoods. Uh, Yoon issued the statement through his uh, spokesperson, and he said it's a top priority to revive the South Korean economy as people are suffering from economic difficulties, especially during the pandemic. Uh, and after it, with uh, inflation soaring as well. And to help them, he said the central government will work hand in hand with local governments. And he added that the government will put all of its energy into stabilizing people's livelihoods with the attitude that the first, second and third most important thing uh, is the economy. And he also thanks the people as the local elections ended smoothly through what he called mature civic awareness. Uh, the elections came less than a month after you took office, and this strengthens his mandates uh, to pursue um, his agendas. Mm. And the PPP also expressed gratitude for the people's support as well. Uh, the PPP chairman, Idrun Sok, said the party will move forward as one for the success of the union government with a sense of infinite responsibility, uh, as if... Uh, their lives depended on it. Now, mm-hmm. the final results showed uh, that the PPP also won 
145 out of 226 lower-level administrative leadership posts, as well as four, uh, 540 uh, seats in provincial and metropolitan councils. That's pretty much adding salt to the DP's wounds. So mm. as the uh, ballots, are, uh, the count is finalised, it turns out that the PPP is winning even in the lower um, seats of uh, councils and governing bodies. Mm. Uh, this is, of course, a very big shift to what we've seen uh, five years ago in uh, 2018. We saw the DP winning 14 out of 17 key mayoral and gubernatorial posts. Uh, it achieved another major victory in two, uh, 2020 in the general mm. elections, but it has been on a losing streak ever since the 2021 Seoul mayoral by-election. So it seems mm. like... Uh, most of the public sentiment is leaning towards the Conservatives at the moment. And in the political realm, someone has to bow out when the defeat is too obvious to ignore. Which brings us to our second keyword of the day. DP leaders quit. It's uh, above the uh, fold in the Career Herald and a number of other local dailies this morning. DP leaders literally bowing out, having offered to resign a mass following the party's crushing defeat in the recent elections. What's the latest? This isn't really any surprising right. news because it happens a lot in the Korean political uh, realm because uh, there's a lot of resignations following defeats and uh, there's no different this time, but uh, there's... A lot more people than expected when it mm. comes to the resignations. Uh, Yuno Jung, Park Ji-yeon, the DP's interim co-chairs, and all the other members of the party's emergency steering committee stepped down to take responsibility for the defeat. Uh, there are eight members in total, and they all bowed 90 degrees in apology uh, in a press conference yesterday. Mm. Um, Yoon uh, Ho Jung said they no apologised. <laughs> yeah, just to clarify, yeah. it was not the president. Yoon yeah. Ho Jung said... They apologised to the people and party members who supported them. And he added that, quote, we would like to express our gratitude to the people who raised the bar for greater reform and drastic innovation within the DP. Mm. Uh, Park, meanwhile, wrote on social media that the DP utterly failed to win the hearts of the people. Mm. Um, now, the DP's floor leader, Park Hong-gun, will lead the party until the party selects a new interim leadership. Um, the new leadership will likely be selected at an early date through a general meeting uh, of the DP's lawmakers. It will serve until the National Convention in mm. August. Um, now, the leadership of the Minor Justice Party also resigned after losing all the elections it contested in. Um, eyes are also on, meanwhile, Lee Jae-myung, who won a seat in the National Assembly in Incheon, um, now, his victory wasn't that sweet, of course, as there are many fingers actually being pointed at him to take responsibility for the DP's loss. That's mostly because he served um, as the party's senior advisor. Right. Uh, so he has um, been advising the party uh, on how to steer or uh, campaign in the election. But the DP lost. He won. <sighs> so, of course, there's a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of bitterness towards him within the party and mm. uh, the DP supporters as well. He's remained a bit silent on his thoughts on the DP's leadership stepping down as well. Mm. Um, and it's not just that. There's a lot of controversy surrounding him because he's still actually some uh, technically subject to investigation with mm. all the Taejangdong land development scandals as mm. well. And if he becomes, uh, if he is elected into the National Assembly, he's immune yeah. from such um, investigations, investigations right, right. unless there is a, a kind of a consensus between the lawmakers. Uh, or if he's actually caught in the act. Um, so that's another area of controversy as well. 
So yeah, Lee Jae-myung has won a seat in the National Assembly, but he isn't smiling. <laughs> That's right. It's yeah. a nice summary. Let's move on to our third keyword of the day. South Korea China talks. So South Korea and China held high-level phone talks yesterday to discuss bilateral ties and the security situation on the Korean Peninsula. Whether or not the Yun, uh, well, actually, it's pretty clear that the Yun government prioritized Washington over Beijing, but they've been crystal clear about not leaving Beijing in the dark. They're a strategic right. partner on many other fronts. So, what came out of this particular talk? Right. So the National Security Advisor uh, Kim Kim Sung An and Yang Jiechi, who is the China's top diplomat, exchange opinions on bilateral relations as well um, as security issues under the Yoon Suk Yeol administration. Uh, the presidential office said both sides positively reviewed the brisk consultations at the high level. Um, they agreed to expand what the top office called substantive cooperation uh, between the two nations. Kim said North Korea's nuclear missile programs pose a great risk to regional peace and stability, and he called on Beijing uh, to play an active, constructive role in persuading its ally Pyongyang to refrain from further provocations and to return to dialogue. Um, in response, Yang expressed concerns about the growing uncertainties on the Korean Peninsula and affirmed China's role in promoting inter-Korean relations um, to reach a diplomatic solution to that end. Uh, and the two also agreed to meet in person as well to deepen and widen the bilateral relations. Every time these talks mm. happen, it's pretty much the same thing and same comments that come out. It's mm. just uh, whether that will turn into any kind of feasible or practical solution that needs to be remain to be seen. Mm. Um, meanwhile, the defense chiefs of the two countries will also be holding talks on the sidelines of the Shangri-La dialogue that's happening soon in Singapore, uh, from June 10th to the 12th, uh, to be exact. Um, South Korea's defense ministry explained that the two countries will still need to continue the discussion on the schedule and specific agenda topics um, for the meeting. So it seems like nothing's been set in stone at the moment, mm. but that talks between the two countries are happening. And of course, Korea, as you said, did take priority uh, in boosting the alliance with the US. But of course, as you say, they can't really uh, mm. turn a blind eye to mm. China who many experts say probably could play an even more important role than the U.S. because mm. it is one of the North's closest allies. All right, let's move on to our fourth keyword of the day. Bigger oil outputs. The oil cartel OPEC Plus has finally bowed uh, to months of pressure from major consumers to help ease the pain of high energy prices stemming from, of course, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So they're going to pump a little bit more. What's the latest? Yeah, so OPEC Plus, they'll reportedly increase the size of its oil supply hikes by about 50%. And in private discussions, ministers were said to have agreed uh, on adding 648,000 barrels uh, a day of oil to the markets in both July and August. That's up from uh, 432,000 barrels a day that we've been seeing in recent months. Now, the increase would reportedly be divided proportionally between members in the usual way, countries that have been unable to raise production, such as Angola, Nigeria, mm. and most recently Russia, mm. um, will still be allocated a higher quota. That could mean that the actual supply boosts are smaller than the official figure, as has often been the case in recent uh, months. Now, the move to increase production faster than planned comes as rising crude prices have pushed gasoline to a record high in the U.S., uh, there are fears that elevated energy prices could slow the global mm. economy as mm. it emerges from the pandemic. 
Um, OPEC, uh, whose de facto leader is Saudi Arabia, has resisted pleas from the White House to increase um, oil supply to make up for production lost due to sanctions against Russia after its invasion of Ukraine. That, along with a European Union agreement to end most oil imports from Russia, has pushed prices higher um, as well. But the Many watchers are saying that this will be a very small alleviation from the bigger problem of energy mm. prices, but it is kind of a relief, albeit slight, nonetheless. Right, right. I mean, we're talking about short-term strategies along with long-term ones, the latter being unresolvable with foresight. So we have right. to go with these small increments of changes yeah. for the time being. Uh, bringing us to the fundamental problem at hand, uh, fifth uh, keyword of the day. 100 days of war. So today, Friday, marks the 100th day of Vladimir Putin's war in Ukraine. Uh, could you run us through developments and how things stand? I'm reading headlines saying Russian controls one-fifth of Ukraine now, according to the Ukrainian president. Yeah, uh, that might seem like a big number, but considering yeah. the military might of Russia and compared to Ukraine especially, it's uh, pretty much a very slow development and not really probably what Russia would have wanted. Right. Um, and after months of denial uh, and build-up uh, that the evasion was planned, uh, Vladimir Putin, uh, it all began on February 24th and he launched what he called a special military operation at the time to uh, say what he called demilitarize and denazify Ukraine. Um, when Western analysts expected a kind of quick shock and awe invasion, uh, especially between, uh, if we consider the comparisons of the military capabilities of the two countries, right. and it seems there were indeed attempts by Russia to also directly target the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, probably in order to relace, replace um, his government with one that's more pliable to Moscow's will. Mm. Uh, but the evasion was far from quick and easy. The war has resulted in sanctions against Russia, NATO membership applications from um, quest uh, from countries you wouldn't have thought of, including Sweden and Finland. As and of course, this rising fuel and food prices just across the globe, which are um, hundreds and thousands of miles away from the conflict zone, mm. um, Zelensky says Russian forces have occupied about 20% of the nation's uh, territory. Ukraine, uh, Ukraine has been holding out the invasion uh, with military aid from allies uh, much more better than expected. Mm. Uh, and there's more uh, aid to be coming in. The United States has announced another round of military aid for Ukraine, um, $700 million worth. That brings the total amount of military support to Ukraine so far close to $5 billion. Mm. And the U.S. has also announced new san sanctions against Russian officials and businessmen and oligarchs linked mm. to Putin um, as well. So the battle for uh, Ukraine is not getting any easier for Russia. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Adam, for the week's worth of coverage. We'll speak to you again next Monday. See you next Monday. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.